this past summer, 26 states, including Tennessee, <laughs> legalized sports betting, <clears throat> moving you know, the industry out of Vegas into, you know, so to speak, mainstream um, betting. Sports betting has always been huge, but <clears throat> with the broader legalization, um, it's just hard to miss it. I don't know about you. I mean, whether you're listening to the radio or on your phone or newsfeed, whatever, you know, you're going you're gonna to get ads from uh, FanDuel, uh, MGM, Caesars, DraftKings, everywhere you turn. Uh, in that vein, you, you may have heard of this person who in September made a Six, made a 16-game parlay bet. Six, and, and, and a parlay bet, it, it, it is where you, you're, you're not just betting on one thing, you like piece together, you know, wins or events or outcomes. So you, you can put, this person put 16 games together. So the bet was that all 16 teams would win. So they make this bet, it's, it was a $25 bet, okay? You hit all 16 and the payout is $737,000. So it's, why the odds? Because it's just such low odds that you would pick all 15 winners in a row. Now, Sunday, NFL Sunday, they get all 15. All that's left is Monday night football. Now, when I heard the story, I, I, I thought, man, can you imagine if on Friday, you know, this is imaginary. <laughs> on Friday, you knew the score of every collegiate and professional football game. On Friday, you knew. Uh, you know, imaginary, but you, you, could, take, you could take a $25 bet or, or more, do you realize you could turn that into millions of dollars? And, and I know some of you are going, Lloyd, that's not Christian. I go, well, I'll place the bet for you and take a portion, <laughs> you know, if that were true. I mean, if you could do that, oh my goodness. Well, in our text today, uh, Paul, he takes us from what we can only imagine to what is actual reality. Here's what I mean. Paul opens the curtain, takes us out into a future and tells us about a future day that is reality. This is going to happen. It's so certain that, that, you know, often the Bible speaks of this day in the past tense because it, it's that sure that it's going to happen. There's something in that day that every person who's ever lived on the planet Earth will experience. Now, if, when you know that day, it's not gonna get you a million dollars, but it will get you so much more that a billion dollars by comparison would be like you seeing a penny in the parking lot on your way to your car today. And my guess is you wouldn't even bend down to get it. So much at stake on that day. Take your Bibles. If you have them, if you got your, your booklet or your Bible and you're gonna see today why we keep telling you bring both, you need to have both. 
Um, turn to Philippians chapter two. We're gonna be actually in chapter two, verses nine through 11. Uh, we're concluding though, um, the message Rob started last week. So it's really, this is one message, I'm doing part two. Now I say that because it's, it's clear in the text that verses five through 11, you know, many believe them to be a Christian hymn and, and all commentators and biblical scholars recognize that, that five through 11 is one unit that belongs together. Uh, in light of the, the, the significance of the passage, Rob and I months ago, I mean, when we got laying out how we're gonna teach Philippians, we said, can't, you can't teach five through 11 in one message. That, you, you know, people spend weeks, you know, teaching that. We're gonna break it into two. And it, and it really breaks into two very easily. Verses six through eight in particular are about Christ's humiliation. There's, there's a visual, get this visual in your mind, there's the humiliation of Christ. And then at verse nine through 11, there's the exaltation of Christ. You with me? So visually you think about it, there's the descent and then there's the ascent of Christ. If we're gonna, we're in nine through 11 today. And if we're gonna get what this ascent is about, it cannot be divorced from the descent. This is, it's again, why I'm gonna review Rob's message. And by the way, I watched his message, I think it was on Tuesday. He's just a great teacher. And I'll tell you that message on five through eight, his passion and the way he beautifully described the descent of Christ, um, the kenosis, you'll recall the kenosis is the word emptying. It's probably the most important word in there. The whole passage is known as the, the, the kenosis passage. And uh, we gave you those little stickers. You remember the little stickers? And by the way, there's some available. And um, I was gonna take a picture of mine so I could show you where I put mine because I was trying to figure out where I stick this thing as a, just as a reminder of the descent of Christ, of the emptying and the humiliation of Christ and our own humility. Um, I stick it right by my door handle on my car, the little silver band. So when I go to my car, it's a place I thought, okay, that, that's good. Every go to my car, it keep me from road rage, right? I go kenosis when I get in my car, but please grab one of those. Um, Rob said that Jesus, you know, he, he did not divest himself of his deity. Deity means his godness. He did not divest himself. No, rather, uh, he chose not to use his deity to his own advantage, but chose to come as a servant. Um, he descended from his pre-incarnate state as the son of God, fully God. And he came as a human being and uh, as a servant as a human. He, Rob described it and, and he got this song and, and he said, I don't even know where I heard that song. And it's like, oh my goodness, the lyrics to that song. And I wanna take us back to a part of that. Because in, that, in those lyrics, lower still, it, it takes us from the heavenly realm, the pre-incarnate glory of Jesus, and it brings us lower to him as a baby in a manger. Now they've laid that small baby where creatures come eat like a meal for the swine who have no clue that he is still holding together the world that they see. They don't know just how low he has to go. Lower still, lower still. 
And then the song takes us from his incarnation in the manger to his crucifixion. Beat his face, tear the skin off his back, lower still, lower still. Strip off his clothes, make him crawl through the streets, lower still, lower still. Hand him like meat on a criminal's tree, lower still, lower still. Bury his corpse in the earth like a seed, like a seed, like a seed. Lower still, lower still, lower still. This is the descent. And this puts us in the place where we pick up our text today and look at the ascent of Christ. Look in your Bibles, if you have opened them or your booklets, we're at chapter two, look at verse nine. The passage is two parts. There's God's response and there's God's purpose. So that's the two headings we'll use. God's response, verse nine, follow along in your Bibles. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. For this reason, so, so he, see how the text goes, descent. For this reason, God has, therefore, and I wanna just take you back to the, to the descent. And, 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 and I, I've got the ladder up here. You know, I don't think you even noticed it when they were putting it up, probably. Hard to miss. Um, but it's just, it's just there because I want, I want you to have a visual in your mind as we've moved through this text and we move out of it next week. That, that Christ, you remember how the passage begins and in particular in, in verse six and Joe said, I probably need to wear my safety harness. Don't go too high. You're old, you'll probably fall. So I'm like, yeah, gads, you know, I don't wanna go too high, but I wanna go high enough. And of course the ladder extends metaphorically to eternity. But, but, but see in your mind's eye because Christ is our model. Though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God, a thing to be grasped. So the whole passage is, you know, he, he did not take his deity and use it to his, his advantage. No, think of it this way, he stepped down. He did not count it a thing to be grasped. But he, though he, though he was God, he emptied himself. There's the kenosis taking the form of a human, but the text reminds us, a servant. Again, just think of it, he's stepping down. Not just that he didn't take advantage of his deity, not just that he emptied himself to take the form of a servant, but he continues his downward step. Christ himself kept stepping down such that we read in that passage, being found in human form, that's the morphe, being fully human, fully God, he humbled, there's the word humility, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, took steps down. Do you see, it's just a constant descent, step down. And not just did he die, but Paul makes clear, death on a cross. There's no lower form 
of death, no more humiliating form of death. When the ancient readers heard this, this was, this was the, the grossest death. Death on a cross. For this reason, this descent, God the Father has bestowed, verse nine, God the Father has, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. God, God has hyper exalted him. That's all I, I want you to catch in the Greek word here. He, he uses it twice, hyper, it's huper, but it's, it's above and beyond exalted. Are you with me? Because of his descent, God the Father has, has highly exalted him and given him the hyper name, the above and beyond name that is above every name. Now, why did I descend the ladder? In, in, in part, it's just this. Because I want you to think about just, just a, a, a point of application for all of us. I want you to think about this during your week that in every interaction you have with another human being, any human being, are you in that interaction descending the ladder or climbing it? It's just a picture, a word picture. Are you treating that human being in such a way that you're stepping down in that relationship? Are you stepping up in that relationship? Because Christ is stepping down. We do the stepping down. God alone does the exalting. You know, one scholar writes of the hyper exalting of Christ. The point is not that Yahweh is one stage higher than other deities, but that he is in a class by himself. He is truly the incomparable one. Jesus is not a notch above Buddha, a notch above the gods of Hinduism. No, an incomparable category. God the Father has exalted the Son such that, now this makes sense, he has given him a name that is huper, hyper, above every name. So what's the name that God has given the Son? Well, we pick that up in the second part. If that's, the, if that's God's response, okay, verse nine, I now wanna go to verses nine and 11, uh, 10 through 11, and we'll look at God's purpose, response and purpose. Look at not 10 and, 10 and 11. So that for the reason such that, in order that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul has opened the curtain, y'all, and he is showing us a day that's out in the future that is as certain as if I said to you, hey, I, I, I promise you the sun's gonna rise today. And you would say to me, what you're, it's already risen, Lloyd. And I would go, I know, that's how certain this is. Paul speaks of a day. And by the way, he's already told us about that day, just, just so we know. We pay attention to our study in Philippians. If you look at Philippians chapter one, verse six, 
He says, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Verse 10, he says, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ Jesus. This is, that day is that day when Christ returns and sets all things right. Two things will happen on that day. The first is every knee will bow. Now, we don't have to kind of go into culture and what did that mean back then? It means what you and I know it means. It is to submit. It's a bowing down, a submitting to greater authority. Every knee will bow. Every knee. In fact, Paul goes on to say, in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Here are the three great realms of reality. Again, if we go into the mind of the original audience, they just went, yeah, that's the three realms of reality. This is, there's, there's heaven, which would encompass angelic beings, those that have fallen and those who haven't fallen. Heaven, Satan and his demons and all the angelic beings there are. And on earth, oh, this would be anyone who is living, any human being that's alive at the time of his return. But then he says, and under the earth, which would be for them, oh, that would be any human being who has ever lived from Adam and Eve who's dead. This is all, every knee will bow. And then he goes on, he says, and every tongue will Confess, confess what? Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, the word confess, we see it, it generally means to agree with, confess your sins, agree with God about sin. That word, and Rob, Rob said it last week and I thought it was so helpful because he and I don't get way into the Greek or Hebrew because I, I, I don't know we need it at times. We, we need to have it underneath, but I don't have to say Greek words to you. And I'll only say them when, I, when, when they, they, it makes sense to say them. Uh, confess normally is homologeo. Homologeo would be to agree with. But this word translated confess here is exomologeo. Exo, the E-X-O tells us it's not just a thought you think. It is words that you, that come out of, exo, out of. This is Amazing. So on that day, all the angelic beings in heaven, fallen and unfallen, every human being that's alive at the moment of Christ's return, and every human being who's ever lived in the history of humanity will bow their knee in submission to Jesus Christ the Lord and will say out loud, Jesus Christ is Lord. Wow. Now, it's not a picture of universal salvation. It's a statement of universal recognition and acknowledgement and Vindication of Christ. For all will say, in essence, and by the way, Jesus Christ is Lord, is Jesus Christ is King. 
It, it will be a vindication. Everyone will acknowledge that Jesus, all the Bible says you are, you are. Wow, what a day. Now I'll tell you why it doesn't equal salvation in a moment. But first I wanna get to the name because this will be a little confusing. Because when you read the passage, it's, you, you think, well, the name is Jesus. Well, all, all, I mean, it's almost unanimous. All scholars agree that the, the, you gotta follow the passage to the end for verse 11 gets to, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The name that is given to Christ in his ascension, in which Paul is describing here, is not the name Jesus. That was his given name at his birth. It does mean God saves. It's not Christ, which is his title. And that, that word, by the way, is Messiah or anointed one. So all through the Old Testament, they were predicting the anointed one, Messiah's coming. That's, that's Jesus, God, God saves. That's Christ, his title. No, it's Lord. <laughs> At the name Lord, which, boy, it says here that God the Father bestows on Jesus the Son. Now, a little bit of work we need to do. This is why I say, Rob and I say, look, bring, you gotta have your whole Bible and not just for your Lippins booklet, you know, when we're studying any book of the Bible. So I want you, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Isaiah. I need you, I'd like you to see this. I'm, I'm not just gonna put it on the screen or I want you to see it in your Bibles. Isaiah 45, Isaiah 45 is, it's written 500 years before Jesus. It is perhaps the, the most, the clearest strongest statement of the sovereignty of God in salvation that's in the whole Bible. Really, it's 40 through 45 and beyond, but, but we're in 45. And so God is speaking, and, and now I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna hit the high points. And if when I, when I, when I read the word Lord, Circle it, mark it, do something, because it, it, it's so important you see this, and this will be through your whole Old Testament, but I'm only in Isaiah 45. God speaks, I'm just gonna grab a few of these verses. Verse five, I am, this is God the Father, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Well, there's only one, it's only you. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Things in the verse eight, I the Lord have created it. Verse 12, I made the earth and created man on it. It was my hands that stretched out the heavens and I commanded all their hosts. Verse 21, declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared of old? Was it not I? The Lord. And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. And then the money verse, verse 23, 
by myself I have sworn. From my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. To me, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear allegiance. Oh my. Uh, that's just what Paul said of Jesus in Philippians 500 years later. Exactly. In fact, go back to Philippians chapter two, verse 11. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Y'all, I had you, I'm trying to think of which way to work back to the word. Let me, let me go here. When we're in the Old Testament and we see that word Lord, um, it, is, it is the Hebrew word, original, in the original Hebrew, every time I had you circle that word, you know, it's in capital letters in your Old Testament, just know this, it's the name of God, Yahweh. This Yahweh, God, Yahweh. They didn't wanna say Yahweh or, or, you know, or, or, or write it per se, and so they, they, they would use the word Adonai. Okay, but it's Yahweh. And then they would say Adonai. And when the, when the Hebrew Old Testament was translated into Greek, they, they took that word Adonai, which is Yahweh. And we call it in the New Testament, Kyrios, Lord. So you see, when Paul says Jesus Christ is Lord, hear this, they knew. He's saying, Jesus Christ is Yahweh. Uh, he, has, he has closed the door, locked it, and thrown away the key on anyone who would, who would even begin to consider that Jesus is, is not fully God. Which makes sense, doesn't it? Because let me ask you this question. This is not a trick question. What would be the only name that has no name higher? This is, this is not a trick question. God's name. And it's Jesus, you see, Jesus Christ, the Lord, Yahweh. There is no greater name. And do you notice this when God bestows this name upon on the son, God, that God himself is not diminished? How does the, how does the passage end? To the glory of the father. Y'all, the father's exaltation of the son doesn't diminish the father, it glorifies him. <laughs> How can that be? Because God the father is living the reality of Philippians. He's not thinking of his own self per se. He's looking out for the good of the other. He, he's lifting the son and so lifting the son. How about this? In humility, he himself is more fully glorified. Wow. So on that day, that day, on that day, there will be two types of beings. There will be angelic beings who never fell and there will be human beings who in their lifetime place their faith in Christ, who, who put their trust in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what it means to be saved a Christian, that you trust that what Christ did, he did for you. 
that group, y'all, will, will, will bow their knees and will say, Jesus Christ, the Lord, and it will be pure joy for all eternity. That's one group, okay? There will be another group. And it will be comprised of fallen angels, angelic beings in the heaven, and human beings. And it will be all those human beings, alive or dead, who in their lifetime did not profess Jesus Christ is Lord. And don't miss this. They will on that day, they will bow the knee and they will say, Jesus Christ is Lord. They, 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 they must because it's true. <laughs> and God the Father vindicates the Son on that day. You know, it's not true now, right? But it's, it will be true then. Now, I said earlier, when they profess that, you know, you go, well, oh my gosh, is that universal salvation? No, no. We study our Bible, we take the whole Bible. In the context of the whole Bible, we recognize there are fallen angels and there are human beings who choose to reject the provision of Christ and they'll pay for that penalty. It's just so clear in the Bible. And so when I said earlier, they will acknowledge, they will recognize what is true. Jesus Christ is King, is Lord, is God. But they won't be saved. Well, how, Lord, how can it be that they say it, but they won't be saved? Perhaps this helps. What if I said to you all, the only people in this room right here, okay, who, who will be saved are those who put their trust in this ladder. How many, how many of us right now, just go with me, how many of us would be saved? Think about it. One. Who? Why me? I climbed the ladder. You see, you all could say, no, I, I trust that ladder. It's a ladder. It'll hold. You could say it all you want. What you're doing is you're acknowledging the reality of a ladder that's made to hold someone that can climb up. But you haven't trusted the ladder biblically, you see, until you put your weight on the ladder. I'm trusting the ladder. This is what it means to trust Jesus. It means to put your whole self in his hands and go, I'm, Jesus, I'm trusting you and what you've done on my behalf to save me. Do you see that? See, that's why they, can, they, they will bow the knee and they will profess, but they, they will not be saved. Is everybody with me on that? When they profess Jesus Christ is Lord, that will simply be, it will be a guilty plea. Do you see what I'm saying? In a, in a weird way, that will be the guilty plea. You are who you say you are, but I didn't believe it. That's what's happening. 
and they will pay the penalty forever. Which brings us to our invitation to joy. It's so simple, but there's nothing more important. There's two parts to our invitation to joy because it's in the text. I wanna invite you to submit today, to bow your knee, to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus. And secondly, I wanna invite everyone in the room and I'm talking to you online as well. I invite you to confess. This is the, this is the exo confess. This is the proclamation from your heart. Jesus Christ is Lord. One, one commentator said this is you know, shorthand for the gospel and it is. Paul said, you must confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord to be saved. And what does it mean when you confess Jesus Christ? It means you believe, you, you say, God, I trust that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. He was buried and he was raised three days later. For he had no sin of his own and he paid the penalty for my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And that is what it means to be saved. And I invite you today and anyone online, if you've never placed your faith in Christ, today's the day. That's trust the Holy Spirit to lead you, but today could be your day. And we're gonna invite you to do that. Uh, that, that person who made the 16 game parlay got 15 right. He lost on Monday night, he or she, I don't know. <laughs> and you know, you think about it, you go, you know, that person made, that what did they lose? Well, you know, on one hand, it goes, look, I just lost $25. I don't know. Or you'd be thinking, I just lost $735,000. That person may say, you know, it was worth the thrill. I don't know. For them, it was an educated guess at best. Of course it is. An educated guess, but there's a day coming. There's no guesswork here. There is no guesswork. A day is coming and will be that if you're looking at me right now, if you're alive, you will on that day, you will bow the knee because <laughs> Jesus is King and you will profess Jesus Christ is Lord. It, it, it's, it's gonna be. The invitation to some is, may that not be the first time you do it because if it is, it's too late. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just, this is the reality. For those of us who know Christ, I mean, you know Christ, and, and, and you would say to me, Lord, I, I, my knees are bowed, and I, awesome. Let us proclaim it together as a community of faith. And then there are some that truth be told, Christ is for you periphery. He's just on the outer edges of your life. Perhaps today is a day you say, no, he's Lord. He's king of my life. I'm gonna invite you to stand. Would you stand, please? We, we, are, we are set up to let you come up front for those who would like and bow your knee. You can do it in your chair. Of course you can. But we wanna offer the opportunity. We've cleared out chairs, made room. There's things you can put your, you can put your knee on this cushion and kneel on these chairs. They're on this side. They're in the front. They're on this side, these chairs. We're not gonna rush through this. It's not gonna be one and done. We, we've got a song set. We've got three songs we're gonna sing, be led in. I wanna invite you to sing. 
And I wanna invite you to listen, listen for the Holy Spirit to, to woo you and prompt you and, and trust and follow the Spirit. If it means coming down and praying, if it means turning to someone next to you and praying, if it means kneeling where you are, pray. But let us respond in the fullness of the Spirit. And may our singing, can I say this? May it match the wonder of our Savior who came low. Well, how low did, well, can I say, look, he didn't, he didn't stop here. He, he didn't even stop here. You understand, he went low. Where were you when Christ saved you? Where you just kind of, you know, I, I think about this. I go, well, I'm, I don't know. I was just a pretty decent person and I heard the gospel. And, you know, I, I'm not saying any of you do this, but I can. It can almost be like, you know, I kind of did Jesus a favor. <laughs> so awful. Do you know where you were from whence Christ saved you? Eternally separate from the Father. May our song reflect our acknowledgement of the price that he paid and let us respond as the Lord leads.